Thank you. It is lovely to be here. I can't tell you what a sort of funny feeling it is, but it's really wonderful and to see lots of old faces, not old faces, but slightly older faces, familiar faces, thank you, and then lots of new ones, which is great. Um, Hugh's going to speak to you this morning, but I just wanted to share uh, something that I felt the Lord reminded me about, that, uh, and that was that his real passion is for his family. Uh, he loves his church, he'll build his church, but his passion is for family. And it's thrilling that some of you went off to Israel and uh, undoubtedly heard more about your Jewish roots. Because the Lord is saying, I think, to his church, he wants us to know where we come from. Uh, and Romans 9 to 11 is very clear about that. And uh, I know that Nigel, somebody speak, spoke about that recently and it was excellent. Because sometimes we can jump from 8 to 12 and we miss out a bit that's very important, especially in the years to come, the time, time ahead. But the vineyard is very, very good about uh, looking ahead, but also looking back. And uh, we want to, Hugh and I are honoured to be Vineyard Emeritus now. Um, but also it's wonderful to have had John and Eleanor's blessing when we were in our kitchen uh, for us to go and be who we are now. But I just wanted to just share one thing, which may be, um, uh, you may not have heard about this, but when we were leading the church down here, mum and dad to the church here, as Nigel said, we had various venues, and we got bigger and bigger. And in the end, we thought we perhaps needed a midweek base, and um, we were aiming for somewhere um, near a pub called The Hungry Monk. I don't know what it's called now, but on the bridge by the river, just at the, by the Chesil Street. And um, Hugh and I, uh, like many of you, we just asked the Lord every morning what he wants to say to us. And we were just praying. And we suddenly heard this incredible noise behind uh, our heads. And there was a brick wall and then a sort of 12-foot drop, you know. And we heard this and it went, I don't know if I can do it, but it was but incredibly loud. And Hugh jumped. I mean, he's quite a calm sort of person. I'm quite a sort of you know, crazy person, but he's quite calm. And he jumped out of bed. And he said, what was that? I said, I don't know. I don't know. You better go and see. Someone's in need at the door. So he goes to the front door in Chesil Street. Absolutely nobody there. And this noise rings through the house again. And we got into bed. We should have really been on our faces at that point, but we weren't. We got into bed, had our cup of tea and said, is that you, Lord? <laughs> And he said, yes, wake up and smell the coffee, which I didn't think sounded like the Lord, but I realize it is now. Um, Smell the coffee. You're looking for the wrong thing. And what he was saying to us was, put me first, and you're looking for something far too small. Get in your car and drive around Winchester, and I'll show you where to be. And so we went off to Barton Farm, actually. And there was an old skip full of loads of leaflets belonging to somebody that had been absolutely foul to us. And we thought, well, it's definitely not here. (laughs) So we got back in the car and we drove around and we drove here. And it was semi-derelict. Not too bad because the police were opposite, which helped. But anyway, I can't tell you, I, I can't, I, it was a miracle how we got this place. A hundred people, including children, the children gave their pocket money. We got a mortgage within three days. Uh, I mean, in, in, uh, well, that's not true, but I mean, uh, the final bit when they wanted to put the money. Anyway, I'm not going down there now, but that's not what I want to say. What the Lord, this is, this is I don't know why I'm telling you this, but um, when we walked in here, there was a huge roller shutter door here, vast, because it belonged to Stagecoach. 
and we walked through, a bit like a little prison. You know, you, in the prisons, you have a, a door in the gate. And we walked through, and it was, seemed huge to us, and empty, and a caravan, and it was being desecrated, the whole place. And um, we were with somebody called Ruth Sichel. I don't know if some of you know Ruth, but she's an amazing woman of God. She's tiny, and she goes into the, into the prisons a lot, and she's called Lofty. But she is a woman to be... She's a dangerous woman, and um, like me. And uh, anyway, she came in, and I said, what's the Lord going to do here? And she said, he's going to fill it. And that's the truth. And it's thrilling for us coming... And, well, it was thrilling seeing how the Lord did fill it. But it's thrilling being here now and seeing the continuation of what he's doing. And he's doing through you. Because you are his family. You are the living stones that he is building. And he said to us, I want this to be a home. And you are this home. And you're going to be welcoming people to this home. I'm just coming in, darling, to land, so come up. Um, But uh, there were just two words. One day in 2009, we had an incredible time when a prophet came called Isabel Allen. And she spoke over us. And extraordinarily, the things she's saying are just coming to pass now, which is amazing for us. Um, but she said over this place, the Lord says, I'm going, giving you today the blessing to build the temple, to build a temple of praise, build a temple of worship, to make this place, and we could say this city, where the glory of God shines by telling what he does, by speaking of the faithfulness of God in this house. And that there will be an increase of that faithfulness among you. That's for you now. And people will come to hear the things that are taught about God in this house. Because they will not be tales. They won't be stories from other places about what happened yesterday. But it will be the fresh bread that comes out of the oven today. And the Lord says, I'm going to make you a people who give fresh bread of today. And may you be that people. May you be that people. May God bless you. And looking forward to chatting tonight. Uh, I said I'd come up after five minutes if Ginny hadn't finished. I gave her a little bit of extra time. Um, She turned to me in the middle of the worship, actually, this morning and said, we're back. And it was just lovely to feel the presence of God here. Uh, we've been in, we, you know, we've been in this place so often and it's lovely to be here and it's lovely to be back. I have to say, there's an awful lot of you we don't recognize. It is lovely to see you here, but it's quite amazing how things have moved on. And we are so thrilled uh, that the church has gone on so successfully because when we were thinking of handing over the, our accountant, was very concerned. Very often when churches hand over, there's a dip down, and sometimes they never recover. Well, it's never been like that here. We're absolutely delighted with the choice which we corporately made to choose Nigel and Joe, and we're absolutely thrilled to have handed our baby over to them and to see it flourishing in this way. So, thank you. Um, I want to... I, I, I really only want to be sharing you, with you things that we live and we experience. And I remember when we were here, um, I used to... One of our values in the vineyard is being real. So if you come to church on a Sunday and you're feeling really awful, don't try and say, I'm fine, because you're into what we used to call victorious Christian living. Um, 
you know, I hate Victoria's Christian Living when it's, when it's, when it's on the outside. Um, but I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about living with joy and with hope. And um, the fact I, I want to share these things, and some of the ones, sadly, I've learned since I left here, we didn't have when we were here, some of them when we, we did. But um, when the angels came down on that first um, Christmas morning, and they spoke to the shepherds in the fields, um, um, they, um, what did they say to the shepherds? Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Being a Christian and being in church is, is meant to be experiencing the good news and the great joy. And the fact is that Ginny and I live with considerable joy and with hope in our hearts. And I want to share about, a little bit about that this morning. Actually, joy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Seriousness is not a gift of the Spirit. <laughs> Joy, we have joy in our hearts. The last verse of Psalm 16 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. When we're in the presence of God, we are joyful. And the other, other thing I want to talk about is hope. Um, and uh, actually, I know that, because um, I saw on Facebook, Chris Parsons was speaking here on Romans 15 recently. And there are a couple of verses in Romans 15 I want to pick up on. For everything that, Romans 15 verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach you so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And again, uh, for verse 13 of that chapter, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And just one more quick one. You know the well-known chapter on love, chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it finishes. Now that these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And we home in on that because it's nice and easy to do the love bit and maybe the faith bit. But how about the hope bit? Well, I, I, I wasn't always that strong on hope myself. And it's one of the things I think I've probably come to understand differently and um, so that's partly really what I want to share with you this morning and just not to talk about it but talk about what got me there and then just hopefully try it to get and tie it together at the end and I want to just define hope before I start as hope is a confident expectation of a good outcome that's all so you might say um, you know I hope England win the Six Nations at rugby. Well, the answer is that what you mean is you like England to win, or Scotland, or Ireland, or Wales, or something. Um, you could toss a coin, because it's not really a certainty at all. God's hope is not like that. Um, God's hope is really a certainty, but it's an unrealized certainty. So Ginny and I, despite the fact we've had some ups and downs in life, and Ginny's health issues with the battle she's had with cancer haven't exactly been easy, you know... We live with a confident expectation of a good outcome. Now, some of you are thinking it's already fine for them, but you know, you don't know our circumstances. And I just want to talk a little bit about what has happened in us to bring us to that point. And I want to talk about two things, really. First of all, how you think about yourself. And secondly, how you think about God. 
And how I think about myself was not something I was really aware of when we were here particularly. When we went over to um, Bill Johnson's church in Reading in California, we met an English girl there and um, she introduced herself and uh, she said, hi, my name's Grace and I'm amazing. Uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, and I thought, oh, heavens, you know, she may be English, but she's got this awful American thing, you know. I don't forgot any Americans here, but I love Americans and my daughter's married a Canadian. But, but you, know, um, you know, I'm high, I'm awesome, you see, sort of thing. And, um, but she, you know, she, said, um, she said, of course I'm amazing. She said, I'm made in God's image. Did I been redeemed by the blood of his son? She said, Jesus Christ lives in me. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. How much more you have to be to be amazing. And what she said about herself is true of me and Ginny and you. Um, the fact is, you possibly don't think of yourself in those terms. I'm, I've just got one word written down here, feelings. The fact is, you don't feel amazing, if you're anything like me. I don't naturally feel amazing. But I make a choice, and this was something we shared when we were here, I make a choice to believe what God says about me, and not necessarily what I feel. So, you know, if, if, if God says I'm made in his image and this sort of thing, then I believe that. I choose to believe it, even though I don't necessarily feel it. And it's slightly sort of linked to that. Where we go to church at the moment is not wildly exciting. And, and in some respects, the vineyard spoils you for life a bit, really. Um, but I ask myself when I'm there... Am I a saint or a sinner? Because when I go there, I'm forever being reminded I'm a sinner. When I start, finish and leave, really, and it's week after week. And that's not very uplifting. You know, am I a saint or a sinner? Well, the answer is that I'm a saint. That does not mean that I don't do wrong things. When, before I came to know Jesus, I was a sinner. When I was a sinner, I did some good things. I came to know Jesus, I was washed clean, had a fresh start, renewed, and I became a saint. But I still do bad things. Not as much, not as often, not sort of thing. But this, again, is the feelings thing. It's not that I feel utterly wonderful, like I leap tall buildings, but I believe what God says about me, that I've been washed by his blood, I've been clothed with Jesus' righteousness. And as such, I no longer have a sin nature living inside me. I'm no longer, therefore, a sinner. I have a God nature living inside me, and therefore I'm a saint. And the fact is, I stand up front here speaking with the microphone. I don't think I'm any better, the least amount, than any of you. Because this is open for all of you. And, it's, and all of us, 
you know, the fact is, it's the way we choose to think. And actually, you know, it, it takes time for our thinking to be turned round, so we do this normally and naturally all the time. But for the first stage of living a life of hope with a confident expectation of a good outcome is to th- start thinking of myself in the way that I believe God thinks about me. And you can do the same because he's not saying anything about me that he's not saying about you. He has a love for you. He doesn't necessarily, as I say when I was here, he doesn't necessarily love everything you do. That doesn't stop him loving you as a person and wanting to have an intimate relationship with you. So that's the first thing. Um, Do those with kids need to go and rescue their children, Nigel? Wonderful, okay. Um, So that's just one more quick one there, I think. Um, I I, I love this. The Apostle Peter and the uh, Apostle John, uh, we know that Peter blew it towards the end, and Jesus said to him, you know, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, of course, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, you know, feed my sheep. And so we know that Peter loved Jesus. I bet that most of you who are here could say the same thing, which is why you're here. You love Jesus, because he loves you. That's true for me as well. The Apostle John, he loved Jesus too, but he knew more than that. He knew that Jesus loved him. He was called the beloved disciple. He was the one that leant back on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper because he was close to Jesus. And okay, we may love Jesus, but the, the Apostle John knew that Jesus loved him and he was the beloved disciple. And actually, we're the same. Again, I don't necessarily feel this in my inside, but I choose to believe it. That's the first part of the ingredient for me where things have changed to understand how I think about myself. (laughs) Secondly, secondly, uh, how do I think about God? Um, Some of this we used to share when we were here because I was beginning to get this sort of revelation and some of it's new. Um, One of the ones I used to share was... um, well, do, how do you think of God? When, I think for many of us, I don't know about you, but my experience was that before I was a Christian, um, I thought Jesus was rather boring and this sort of thing. But when I became a Christian, I, my, my understanding of Jesus changed. Suddenly, Jesus was good news. Then, a little bit later on, I had a revelation of the Holy Spirit and was filled with the Holy Spirit, the power for living, really. And my understanding of the Holy Spirit changed. I then went an awfully long time before my understanding of whom the Father was. My understanding of Jesus the Son, my understanding of the Holy Spirit, and then finally a change in understanding of who God the Father was. And um, I think... As I, as I have shared here before, you know, there's the awful temptation, you know, it got, of course, we're far too sophisticated to think of God as the policeman in the sky. Ho, ho, ho. 
But actually, just at the back of our minds, the little bit of, well, what if, he, what if he might be? And I used to sort of feel, well, he isn't really, but I thought maybe if I stepped really far out of line, the ruler would count down on my knuckles. And I think, you know, that is not the way God wants to be, wants to be seen. And... Um, one of the things we learned, we were in Washington, D.C. Um, about 18 months, two and a half years ago. And um, the guy we met there said, you know, what is the finished work of Jesus? And the finished work of Jesus, he's on the cross, he said, it is finished. Um, so that was the sort of the reply that most people give to what is the finished work of Jesus. But actually, in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he says to the Father in the verse 4, he says, I have completed or finished the work you gave me to do. And I believe the work, Jesus had two things really, but part of it was that he came to show us what the Father was like. If you just read the Old Testament, you might be excused for thinking that God is the policeman in the sky because he behaves like it some of the time. And I think Jesus came with a purpose to reveal who the Father was to us, so that he, that he is a loving Father. Uh, you know, it's not that Jesus, you know, the sort of Jesus is the nice guy, the front man, and God is the heavy at the back. You know, if I step out of the way, just you stand by. And... Um, uh, you know, as I, uh, I opened, you know, the, 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 the angels coming to the shepherds outside, outside um, Bethlehem. You know, I bring you good news, uh, uh, good news of great joy. You know, God is sending a committee and you better stand from under because, because of what you've done. God didn't send a committee. He sent his son. And he sent a person, and he sent a person to represent him, someone who knew who he really was. And... Uh, God wants to be an intimate Abba, Daddy, Father to us. And Jesus showed him that. And that's why, what, that's why we start the Lord's Prayer with our Father. And I'm reading uh, uh, Brian Simmons' Passion Translation. And he translates from the Aramaic as well as the Greek, which doesn't have as high standing in, ac in academic worlds. But, of course, the difficulty is... The Bibles we read have been translated from the Greek, and the Greek didn't use the word Abba, but, but Jesus used the word Abba for Father, and it's in the, in, the, in the Aramaic Gospels as well. So although the translation in the Bibles we have from our Father is our Pater, uh, actually in the original it been our Abba, our Daddy. And we start our prayer to God with that each way, each day. Um, and Jesus is saying, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So basically, the Father is like Jesus. And he wants us to see him as a father. And just around the father side things off, of course, um, are you a son or a daughter or are you an orphan? And um, we've been quite impacted by, uh, by Mark Stibby, who is a theologian and who's had a difficult time in his life recently. And part of that, he's realized some of the, some of the things that have changed. But I think one of the amazing things on the cross was 
that so many things were swapped. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Jesus took our filthy rags and gave us his robe of righteousness. But at the same time, Jesus, who was a son, was separated, orphaned from his father for a period, so that we, who were separated from God, who were therefore orphans, might become sons. So in the, in the, in the swap you get for our sin, for his righteousness, it's the swap for um, our orphanness, for his sonship. So when I'm thinking, I'm coming into, I'm coming into land now. Um, when we talk about, uh, when I talk about having joy and hope, there are two, two foundations here. One is seeing who I am. I don't feel that I deserve. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed in the adverts you see on television and this sort of thing? Which is it? One is one of these property ones. Find the house you deserve with right move or something like that. You know, and advertising is coming up playing on the, you deserve this. Well, as Christians, we don't deserve anything. It's a gift from God. And, uh, you know, my understanding of who I am, I do not feel I deserve it. But I choose to believe what God says about me. And as you know, and I was sharing earlier on, and so I get to the point when I do I have hope that of a or, 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 or do I have a confident expectation of a good outcome? Ginny and I live with this. We live with joy because we understand who we are as sons and daughters of the King. And secondly, we understand who the King is. And his desire is to bless us and pour out blessing on us. It does not mean I have an enormous bank balance or anything like that. But, but, you know, we consider ourselves incredibly wealthy because we have lots of things that money can't buy and quite a lot that money can buy. So please don't think I'm not claiming that at all. Um, But we count ourselves incredibly rich, incredibly blessed, because we experience God's favor. It doesn't mean say everything works out right for us all the time, but we have a confident expectation of God's favor and blessing to us, not because of who we are, but because of who he says we are, and because of who he truly is. And the same is true for you. And I, you know, we haven't always lived like this. We have come to this. And I just want to sh- share this. This is our experience over the last, well, it was, it was while we were here. Some of you will remember that. And all the more so since we've left. We now live, as I say, with a confident expectation of a good outcome because we know that we are children of God and we know that we have an amazing daddy. And I, thank you. And I just, I want, to, I want to pray, we have a ministry time now, that if, if that's not the way you see yourselves, I would love it if you walked out of this building today feeling totally different. But even if not, I would love it if you walked out thinking, well, maybe, and the Lord can work this in me. So thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you.